Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Educational Podcasting Today, episode number 29. Today, we're going to be talking about how to create a show for a specific audience. Today, we're talking to niche podcasters, and we're going to be learning how to find and grow your audience, not into listeners, but into a community, a community that will then support you as your podcast grows bigger and bigger and bigger. Before we get into our guest today, I want to remind you guys that we have some great stuff happening over at educationalpodcasting.today. If you're looking to learn how to grow a podcast, create a podcast, we've got great shows, blogs, screencasts, you name it, over at educationalpodcasting.today. And if you're looking to, to join our PLN, you can go over to educationalpodcasting.tips, where you can be a part of our Facebook community. We have our weekly questions of the day. We have our topics of the day. It is a great little place. If you're looking to learn how to build a brand for yourself this year, educationalpodcasting.tips. And today I want to introduce a good friend of mine who I met this summer over at Podcast Movement. And we've been talking to a lot of Podcast Movement podcasters recently. Uh, We just had Greg Holtzman on. We had a few others over the summertime. This lady here has really, really inspired me to, to, to really rethink about what TeacherCast is and what TeacherCast can possibly be. She runs a, well, you know what, maybe I'll I'll let her explain because uh, next week, actually I should say next month, she's going to be releasing an episode of the podcast featuring my wife. Um, We met at podcast, well, the podcaster and I met at my... My wife and I have been together for a long time, I should say that. But we went at Podcast Movement. She says, look, I do a show all around women. And we talk about, you know, family life and stuff like that. And I said, you got to meet my wife. Next thing I know, she had my wife on the show. I think that's pretty awesome. So without further ado, I want to bring on Maria Alcook. Maria, how are you today? Welcome to Educational Podcasting Today. Jeff, thank you. I'm doing really well. And your intro gave me a lot of energy just now. So thank you. I love the fact that you are energized for this episode because so am I. Um, There's so many things that we want to talk today about. But first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about your podcast. Sure. Well, my podcast is the Engine Mom podcast, and it was inspired by me becoming a mom for the first time. So I am currently 29 weeks pregnant with my second kiddo. I am not the parent of triplets like you, Jeff, but I've learned a thing or two about just being a parent, being a mom and needing some outlet to be creative and to share my experiences. So it started as a blogging platform and slowly evolved into a show designed to build community through storytelling. And that was one of the things that I really wanted to hit on. And I, and I love that concept. And, I, and anybody that's out there listening, you know, what, what Maria and I are going to talk today about is the idea of you have something that you're passionate about and how can you share that with the world? And why is it important to pick up a microphone, to pick up a blog, to start a website, something, anything to, to share your passions with, your, with others? We always end the show with continue sharing your passions with your students. And for Maria, her students is the world and talk to us a little bit about your show your show is called the engine mom podcast what would i listen to what would i find out if i listen to the engine mom podcast 
So on the show, you would hear from a lot of people that are already in my current network. So my background is in graphic arts. I do have a little bit of an education background as far as teaching. I also am part of a fitness community and I'm a coach. So there's all these different moving parts in my life that I'm passionate about that I want to share. And I realized that being a parent is just another addition to all of those moving parts. You have to kind of focus on the things that keep you moving forward, the things that keep, I call them the things that fuel you and inspire you to be better. And that inspires your children. That inspires your audience. You talk about inspiring your students. I work with a variety of athletes who I try to essentially motivate and share all of my passions with. So the, the Engine Mom podcast is designed to take women that are in similar situations. Most of us as parents are trying to balance motherhood and work life, pursuing some other type of passion. So that's the focus. I bring women on who are living, I would say, ordinary lives, but in extraordinary ways by maintaining themselves, finding ways to continue to pursue the things that they love and find, I guess, balance isn't the right word, but harmony in doing all of that while being a parent. And I thought your wife was a perfect example of that. It was, and, and you know, I'll just say it again here. Thank you so much for having her on the show. It was really, really cool to, and I was kind of sitting in the hallway during the episode and, and just hearing my wife talk about the experiences that we have. And, you know, of course, many of our listeners out there know the story of the triplets and how we've got here and all the different things that have been going on with her and the cancer and all these other wonderful things. But to hear her actually give those stories for me, was pretty remarkable. I, I want to kind of take a step back here and talk about the whole idea of your show. As you said, it's a show for women who are inspiring to be great. And, and I believe that's every woman out there. But at the same time, your audience is very, very focused. You are speaking to that avatar. And when we were at Podcast Movement, we learned a lot about finding that avatar, putting that picture up in front of you and speaking directly to it. So I got to ask you, Maria, when you turn on that microphone, who is your avatar that you're speaking to? I, I love this question because this was an exercise that I did as I started kind of building the bones of the show. And my avatar would be a woman in her I'd say like late 20s to late 30s, even early 40s, someone who is more of a new mom than a veteran mom, uh, someone who would not consider themselves an expert, but someone who is navigating motherhood, making mistakes, finding ways to improve, and they want to hear from other women who are going through similar experiences. And so whether they are entrepreneurial or working in the job that they are incredibly passionate about or even stay-at-home parents, they are sharing their stories of, or the, the avatar is listening to stories of women finding ways to make it work. So whether that's through unique childcare opportunities or having a side hustle because they want to build a small business from home, uh, it gives them perspective and it gives them an opportunity to think about some possibilities for themselves and potentially move forward with that. Now, the idea that your show is all about stories and storytelling is, I think, one of the best ways that anybody can start a podcast, right? I mean, even in teaching, we say the best educators are the ones that can get up there and captivate their students. Tell a story about the war, about the presidents, about the, the, uh, the algebra lesson or anything like that. If you can captivate that audience, you're going to be able to have your students listen to you longer. What 
kinds of things have you learned in the first couple? And you know, you've been doing this for you know almost fifty episodes or so now. What have you learned as a beginning podcaster that you might want to pass on to one of our listeners? So one of the big things is certainly the avatar and really stepping back. It's easy to get into the rhythm of interviewing, asking similar questions and and expecting different answers. But one of the biggest things that I've learned is really thinking about how my listeners are listening to the show. So if that to kind of break that down a little bit, what's the listener behavior? Who is my main audience? So they're moms. They're trying to get information in smaller digestible chunks. So I've learned that if I can get the story to be very interesting at the very beginning and have sort of these ebbs and flows where they can take a little breaks and maybe digest some of what they just listened to, maybe pause it, come back to it later. It makes the consumption a little bit easier. And for a parent that is probably multitasking or driving or doing something at the same time as listening to the show, I want to make sure that the information is relatable and consumable in that it's not overly technical, if that makes sense. So the storytelling aspect makes it very digestible, in my opinion. Do you have a prescribed um, amount of time for your shows? Yeah, it's a great question. I used to do a little bit longer, about an hour. I've tried to recently, actually after podcast movement, a lot lot of things came up and I I decided to cut down to closer to 30 to 45 minutes. I think just even shaving 15 minutes off makes it a little bit easier Mm -hmm. to get through an episode. And then I also recently released what I call Rev episodes, which are typically 20 minutes or less little bits of inspiration where you just hear my voice and I share inspiration and and sort of perspective from my life. And I really enjoyed getting an opportunity to share on that end as well. So I want to pick up on this because, and I'm going to talk to you guys out there right now, the podcaster who's interested in starting or growing their show. When I asked you about the time and you said 30 to 45 minutes, I, 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 I can't stress this enough out there. Is that a decision based off of statistics or is that a decision based off the fact that, and I'm just going to go out on a limb here, perhaps the average um, woman on the go ha- only has a 30-minute a drive to work or only might have 45 minutes alone. And so you, you don't want to overdo the show because then they might not get to the end. Or are you looking at your stats and saying, hey, the average person only lasts for 20 minutes, so I'm going to do a half an hour show. I'll be totally honest. I don't look at stats in that way. I love. I like to see downloads. (laughs) I I love that answer. But I definitely think that it's from my personal experience and just doing a little bit of, you know, kind of market research, if you want to call it that. But understanding that, yeah, as women and busy moms, we only have so much time to dedicate. And I think about my listener behavior, talk to others about theirs. That's what seems to be the most consumable chunk of time now the one thing that we did come out with at the end of podcast movement is a bunch of stats and i want to dive into this just a little bit but basically what we learned from the latest stats is you know people only have so much time during the day and to to find a show in their niche amongst the six hundred thousand shows that are now on apple podcasts let me ask you here maria how do you grow and find that audience for your show? How do you build this? 
So this has been an evolution in itself. And I will say today is actually my one year podcasting anniversary Congratulations. Well, since I launched the show. So it started, you know, probably about a year and a half ago, but I really started out by building up a presence on social media, because again, I was thinking about my listener behavior, where are the moms hanging out most and where are people connecting? We'd spend a lot of time attached to our phones, especially if we're home with kids and we're trying to t take a little break, mental break, we go on social media. So Instagram, Facebook, those were places where I was showing up a lot to share what I was doing and also find potential guests and just get people to get on board with the show and the concept. I built a launch team, what I'll call it in air quotes, to help me promote and just say, hey, if you know someone who might be interested in this, can you share it out? Can you leave me a review? Can you share it on social media? Uh, just found different ways to connect to the specific audience that I was looking for. And I'll say I'm not an a social media guru, but I found that using hashtags, following similar people, posting content that seems to be specific and relevant to us, whatever time frame I'm focusing on in, in, in my show episodes, seems to also help build up a following. And then of course, getting guests that are going to share and build your following up through their following. Now, we had talked about the idea of a following, but recently you and I have also had some good conversations about building community. Can you give us any of your thoughts on how to build a community and where to find a community of other amazing women? That was something that I needed so badly and still do to this day. But as a new parent, especially, there are so many disconnects in or this isolated feeling of I am now with this new human that needs me and I'm not going to get as much time <laughs> to interact with people that might have similar interests than me. So I'll be honest, I've, I found a lot of solidarity online in different Facebook groups and on, you know, different sort of virtual platforms. And then for me specifically, because I'm such a fitness junkie, the gym became my second home and a place where I was able to communicate and feel connected with a community of women that were also moms, also experiencing similar things. So that to me is one of the most important things. If you can start to build some a following through a community of people that feel connected and feel like as if they want to support you. Um, it's very easy to, to do that nowadays with, with social media. And I'm, I know I'm kind of praising social media in that way, but I've found that there are so many women out there that are in a similar position as me. And I've, I've not even met them in person. I've just connected via thing. Uh, so, you know, platforms like Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love that you're doing this and I love that you're out there on social media trying to make it, well, I shouldn't say trying, you're making a difference in, in the, in the lives of so many amazing women and so many people that are out there. And, and I'm always going back to the fact that, as you said, you know, I, I hear from my wife, you know, I've got the kids, I've got the house, I've got the taking care of everything. I've got the, I just need some time to be me. I need some time to be out there. And I love that, that podcasting has become that outlet for you because not only are you creating this for yourself, but you're also creating this for other people that are in that, that area. Um, when we're looking at that, is this, is podcasting a risky thing? I mean, do you feel that you're putting your personal self out there do you feel that you're you know are, are, do you still feel a part of yourself is private and part of yourself is public how, how do you share those two different sides or are there two different sides that's a really good question it's making me be really reflective right now i 
am an extrovert and I don't know if I would call myself an oversharer, but I'm someone who has, doesn't have a problem getting vulnerable and sharing. Mm -hmm. So it felt really natural for me to podcast and to talk about, to talk about myself and my experiences. But I also felt like for, especially for, you know, probably 40 episodes before I started doing these independent shorter shows, I was almost hiding behind my guests. I was, mm -hmm. I was the facilitator. I was interviewing. I was asking them questions and getting them to share vulnerabilities, getting them to share their stories. And it felt very, I don't know, exposing or revealing to start just talking about myself. But at the same time, it, it felt authentic. And as long as I am, being authentic to myself and sharing the message that I want to share. I think that it's, it's a great outlet. And that, that right there is an amazing lesson for any podcaster. You know, I've, I've said it more and more, I think since podcast movement, when I mentioned it, and even, even at the ISTE conference this summer, I mentioned it in front of everybody, you know, for me, it took me, it literally took me 60 episodes. And then somebody actually mentioned to me, I did 60 episodes of my show and I never once mentioned my name because you, you do these shows and you're like, okay, my only goal is to make my guest look awesome. And you know, even this particular show, you start it, you get into it, here's the guest run, and you don't take a second to breathe and say, hey, I'm doing okay, here's a little bit about what's going on in my life. And if you don't do that, it's hard for your audience to get to know you and invest in you. And if they're not investing in you, they're not going to build a community with you. 100% I agree. You want to feel connected to the person on the other side of the earbuds or the other side of the speaker. And I think that's why I loved podcasting so much because it's, it feels a little private in that, especially if you're listening to it by yourself in the car or listening to it on headphones, it's almost as like you're having conversation with someone else individually, um, but you're reaching a much broader audience. And I think that's what I love so much about what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. What, what has your audience taught you? Honestly, it's challenged me. My audience, I think, has challenged me to ask better questions of my guests, to get a little bit more introspective and, and not not controversial, but to really challenge them to to dig deep and be self-reflective. I think it's easy to hop on a show and, and start talking about all the wonderful things that are that's going on, especially as a parent. It's easy to, you know, share the highlight reel. But when you start to get a little bit more vulnerable, you start to answer questions that challenge you to really be introspective it that's where the co connection starts to happen because then all of a sudden you're like i like you lean in and you think i know this person or i've been there and now i feel connected now i feel like i want to be a part of whatever she's got going on and, and and how does that work for you as as the podcaster i mean obviously you, you went to podcast movement maybe you go to other conferences do you run into other guests that you've had on the show and you automatically have that connection or do you run into i hate the term but fans of your show that that want to meet you that want to reach out to you that's like oh my goodness i've listened to you how are you doing and they, you know they want to take the selfie and stuff what what is those connections meant for you I mean, every, and I say this to my husband almost, you know, every week that I hop off of a, a recording, I say, you know, if this doesn't amount to anything, if I, if I don't do, go anywhere with this show, the fact that I'm connecting with other women and just hearing these amazing stories and really, you know, these, their stories are resonating with me, that is worth it in itself. And maybe it's a little selfish because who, I don't know, you know, how many people, minus the stats, you know, the downloads. I don't know how many people I'm reaching. I don't know how many lives I'm changing, but 
I do know that there are genuine connections over that microphone when I'm having conversations with my guests. And I don't have, I wouldn't say any, I haven't had any fan experiences. Although today I I coached at a gym and a new member came up to me and said, I just realized that you're the engine mom. (laughs) And I just started chuckling because she's not even a parent yet. But she said that when she and her husband drove across country, I had a guest um, on the that was friends with her who had recommended that she listened to a couple different episodes. She says, yeah, I've listened to you, you know, on my cross country drive. And I thought that was pretty cool just to know that there are people outside of the, the circle of friends and family that, that listen regularly, but it's been, um, it's been a, it's been a great journey and it's, it's part of, I, I kind of identify myself as a podcaster now. I, I, I love these stories. So we're here today talking to Maria Alcoke from the Engine Mom podcast. You can, of course, find her over at enginemom.com. Uh, Maria, I, I want to shift gears pun intended, to talk a little bit about the, the, the nuts and bolts, also pun intended, of your show here. Um, you've been doing this now for 54 episodes. I know you've got other ones recorded, but generally when I'm working with podcasters, we say about 50 episodes is that it's that first hill. Like Once you get around 50, then you can take a look back and go, all right, I know what I'm doing. I've made some mistakes. I'm moving forward. Let's talk a little bit about how your show was produced. Um, I love talking websites. People out there have always asked me, you know, what what system do you use? What brand do you use? How do you build a podcasting website? We get questions like, do I need a podcasting website? Um, let's just do short short form answers here. Number one, do you need a website for your podcast? Me personally, yes, I think that you do. That's my personal answer. Why? Because I think you need to have a presence online. If if someone hears about your show, you can get a little bit of information through the podcasting apps. But I think I am one of those people that likes to dive in and find out more and also go back and archive and potentially learn more about what else this person does. So what mm-hmm. else do you do besides just podcasting or if, if, if anything? I, I also am one that believes that you listen to a podcast with your eyes before you hit the play button. I mean, your website is beautiful. I love the graphics. Let's kind of dive in here. Your platform over at enginemom.com was built off of... WordPress. What? WordPress. Um, selfhosted.com. Where, where, what's the nuts and bolts behind all that? So my background is in graphic arts and web development. So I did this myself. This is all me because I'm a design nerd and I had to have it looking a certain way. I host through GoDaddy mm-hmm. and I have used WordPress as a content manager management system for a long time. I found that it works really well with the Libsyn uh, embedded player. So I host my podcast itself through Libsyn. I was paying a lot more than I needed to be paying for storage. So I kind of updated that recently, but I'm able to uh, produce four to five episodes a week that are long form and then some short rev episodes under, I can't remember how many gigabytes off the top of my head, but one of those sort of moderate platform or moderate packages. And as far as the site, it I just have some basic pages. I do have some of the other offerings that I include as part of sort of the brand of Engine Mom on my website as well. And that is all linked to social media so that people can connect with me outside of the site. Now, as you said, you're, by the way, your graphics are amazing. I I love your logo on this. What do you use for your logo creation? I use Illustrator. So Adobe platform and anything Adobe creative cloud, that is my jam. I always say do logo design in vector base. So you can make it large, make it small, um, and then do any kind of adornments through Photoshop. 
if you are a new podcaster and that is just intimidating to you to use anything that has to do with Adobe, where do you suggest we start for graphic design? So as someone who runs a small graphic design studio, I say look for somebody uh, via a recommendation, someone local. I... I, I die a little inside when people recommend a, a platform like Fiverr, although I know how powerful a platform like that can be uh, just because I'm always I'm always interested in bringing in clients and getting to know them on a personal basis and helping them build a brand that way. But definitely graphic designers that are that are local or can be recommended to you. I'm not big on the uh, yeah Fiverrs and those type of sites, but I know a lot of people that can, it's more affordable for them that way, and they can get what they want uh, pretty quickly. There's also platforms like Canva mm-hmm. that I'm not very versed in simply because I have that design background. We love our Canva here. Yeah. So that is a great opportunity for you to get a little creative yourself and play around. And I always say get opinions on your artwork. If you're creating artwork for yourself and you think it's awesome, give some outside pers- or get some outside perspective to find out what people are thinking and think about how tiny that little icon is and how it appears as well. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Anybody out there, you know, I, I've had a lot of people over the years say, what do you think about my show? I say, blow it up the size of your TV because that's what Apple TV is going to look like and, and make it look as small as your thumbnail because that's the majority by far of how people are going to see it. So if looking at your Apple artwork, you got to be up and down for both of those size dimensions. Now, I noticed here over on, again, enginemom.com, you guys have a fantastic-looking podcast guest application, and you're just using Google Forms. Why the decision to use Google Forms? Honestly, because it was quick and simple, and I wanted to get a application up pretty quickly. That was, that was new on the site as of maybe two days ago. I had been sending that out via email and someone asked, hey, is there a quick way to access that on your website? And I thought, no, but <laughs> now there is. So Google Forms, super friendly. And uh, I have a doc, enginemom.com is also my email extension. So I just do everything through that platform. Now, another topic that we've been doing a lot here on the show is the opt-in. And you've got some pretty nice opt-ins here. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, what is the importance of creating free? Maybe the importance of creating value to to attract subscribers, attract uh, future community members? Yeah, it's a great question. It was something that I had always had on my uh, sort of the back burner and especially working in web and working with a variety of small business clients that's always something that we recommend to just it's a lead generation tool right so i originally was just collecting leads when i was getting interest for the show so i hadn't even launched yet i created the site and i put the sign up form on there to say hey let let me or you know sign up so i can let you know when the show goes live and now I do a monthly newsletter where I do recap the episodes from the month. I pull quotes from the specific guests and I link to articles or relevant content, you know, content that is relevant to them. And then I also just try to keep engagement through, I, I will pull articles that I think are relevant for other, uh, for the, for the moms that are going to be following me through the newsletter. And as far as freebies, I think it's important to, to, to show some value up front. And obviously the podcast is a free offering, but I wanted to provide some additional value and continue to build up that, that lead sheet, if you will, by creating uh, what, I, what I created most recently for my 
for my visitors is the Engine Mom Method, which is a habit habit forming platform or a habit forming sheet that gives women some ideas on how they can start to create routines throughout their day. I, I love it. And, and and you had mentioned earlier to get a friend to help you out with the graphics, get a different eye on things. You being a graphic designer, um, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. And I'm going to throw the question out this way. Should we get a friend involved when choosing our color palette? Oh, color palette specifically. That's a, I mean, that's a great question. So for me, Purple was like a power color for me, and I kind of was already married to it. So I wasn't super keen on changing the color scheme, but I did get feedback on the graphics themselves. Uh, I think as far as someone who maybe not ha- maybe doesn't have much of a design background, I say get as many opinions as possible. And it's interesting to understand what people are drawn to and what works and what doesn't. And you're probably going to get a lot of mixed information or, or mixed feedback. And at the end of the day, take that feedback with a grain of salt and go with your gut, go with what you feel connects to you. Because at the end of the day, it's your show. I, I got to say, again, the, the website here is enginemom.com. I love the purple because when you're looking at all of the other photos as you're, you know, all the other uh, bumpers here, if you will, the, the photos pop next to the purple. It's just one of those colors that no matter what's next to it on here, it just pops. I'm a big I, fan of contrast. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love this idea, you guys. You got to check it out here, enginemom.com. Maria Alcoke is the is the hostess here, and, and I love the, the tagline here, fuel for the driven mama. Um, I, I know the mama here needs all, all the fuel that she can get from all the, all the craziness of kids. You can, of course, find her show over on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher. You can, you can check out her blog. You can download some of her awesome opt-ins here. Um, let's kind of wrap it up here with some, with some advice. After doing 50-some episodes of this, what's the biggest I wish I would have known this when I started that you could give anybody out there that's looking at starting a podcast? I mean, honestly, I had such an amazing sort of realization or many realizations attending podcast movement. If I had done that prior to launching the show, I think the show would have been very different from the start. Between attending a, a seminar or a podcast event where you can learn more from experts, I would also recommend hiring a producer to take some of that extra load off of your plate. My producer is just happens to be my best friend from high school, but he's a media specialist and he does a great job at the processing. He gave me so many more ideas than what I would have originally done myself as far as audio transitions, music, all that kind of stuff. Um, He just makes the show feel complete. And if you have the means to do that, I highly recommend finding a producer. I think that's a pretty cool thing. And you're going to find that there's a lot of producers that are out there. Um, you know, we, we've been doing it here. We've got a couple of people that, that you know, TeacherCast does producing for. Um, you know, you guys, the thing is, I think what Maria's saying here, right, is you don't have to do this alone. There's other people that out there get some help with your graphics, get some help with your colors, get some help with, with audio transitions, anything that you can do there. The important thing is to 
be authentic. The important thing here is to share something, to tell a story, to, to help other people out there and know that, you know, we're, we're here together. We're all here to connect with each other and we're all here to help make this place a little bit better here. Maria, I, I want to say thank you so much, not only for coming on the show today, but also for spending the time with my wife. I'm definitely going to be putting out your episode on TeacherCast. Of course, I'm going to say if it's okay with you, but I, I definitely want to put out the episode with my wife because it was an amazing, amazing episode to do and I, and I want to support the show. So um, that's going to be coming out, I believe, what you said, October something? Yeah, I'll have to Somewhere get an exact there? date for you, but it'll be uh, the month of October on, and a Monday release. Yeah, we, we will definitely grab the lips and embed for that. That way, you know, it's on there and, and I want everybody to kind of see how awesome this show is. The show is called The Engine Mom Podcast. You can, of course, go over to enginemom.com and you can find her over on Instagram and Facebook at The Engine Mom. Maria, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Jeff. This was a blast. And we want to hear from you guys. If you have a show or if you're thinking about putting a show together, we want to hear from you. Of course, you can go over to educationalpodcasting.today. Um, we've got a lot of great resources, podcasts, blogs, screencasts, tips, tutorials. And if you're looking for a great podcast coach, call me. We can do something. I can help you guys out launching the podcast of your dreams. Don't forget about our Facebook group over at educationalpodcasting.tips, where we have our weekly um, questions our themes, our topics. We've got about 400 or so members in that group right now and it is going strong each and every week. But we, we, we want to hear from you guys. Of course, reach out to us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Guys, thank you so much for making TeacherCast a part of your professional development. This is Educational Podcasting Today, episode number 29. And on behalf of everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury reminding you to keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students.